going to talk about uh, <laughs> many, many times. And I'm excited about this. And, and you may know Jonathan. He and his wife run uh, the Lie Busters. And I uh, really encourage you to check that out at some point. We'll have those links available for you. But uh, we'll get started right after this. Welcome to Kingdom Talks, where we engage leaders, teachers, creative artists, and everyday people in conversations that awaken listeners to new revelations of the Kingdom Age. All of our courses, community conversations, partnership links, and much more can be found on our website, kingdomtalksmedia.com. Now, enjoy the show. All right, Jonathan. Well, it's always exciting to have you on because I, I know you love to study and there's been some things that you've been looking at and you can see it up here, part one, sacred cows that uh, you're going to want to touch on here. So I'm going to kind of just hand it over to you and let you take off because you you just have a, a, a great way of sharing things that uh, I think are going to open up some people's minds. So go for it. Uh, well, hey, Gil, thanks so much for being on. I'm really excited to be here. And I have to say that your whole approach and the way that you are with me and with others has really allowed me or uh, facilitated me opening up because I'm basically coming out the closet and I'm going to drop a few bombshells. I'm All going right. to look at some sacred cows. All um, right. And there's a reason for it. Let me kind of back up a little bit. The reason for doing this is because um, as believers, we are meant to have the mind of Christ, right? And... But there's a lot of fragmentation across all believers about what exactly we believe. And there are certain things which I think really we need to put on the table. And whilst you have said that your platform is not a place to say, no, this is the way, this is the only way, it is a place to explore. Yes, so absolutely. So what I'm bringing to you, Gil, is my exploration. I'm just laying it out there. I'm not saying it's right. Okay, I'm saying that I, God has had me on a journey which has effectively deconstructed my theology and is now building it back up tentatively. I've been doing it for a number of years, and I'm now kind of bringing it out on the table, and you're the first person to see it, awesome. <laughs> along, with awesome. of, along with all of your, your guests. Yeah, I'm, I'm super privileged and excited and honored, Jonathan, that you're, you're willing and, and going to do this on uh, Kingdom Talks. So all thank right. you very cool. much. Well, hey, I'm going to engage you a little bit. Um, I understand we're doing two parts, so if you can just give me a five-minute countdown, uh, whatever, before the end of part one. Right. And we'll have a break in the middle for about, like I said, 30 seconds, 50 okay. seconds, something like that. All right. So I'm just going to ask, I'm not going to keep you engaged all the time, but you can jump in at any time. But I want to kick off by saying, Gil, what are the commonalities between the ugly ducking story, the four-minute mile, and sacred cows? Oh, Wow. I was thinking I might have had something for the first two, but then you brought in the sacred cows. <laughs> Go for it. All right, good. No, not a problem. I'm going to share my screen. We're going to jump right in. Okay. Okay, now you should be able to see that. Can you see that? Yes. Yep. Looks good. All right, that's it. Well, I guess, you know, we all know the story of the ugly duckling. Um, Maybe it was a few a few decades ago, but in short, this ugly duckling felt bad because it was ugly. 
but actually it grew up and became a beautiful swan. So it was an identity issue, right? Or a mindset issue. So that's really what I would like you to kind of take from that. All right. Um, and as believers, we can either be who we really are, fully loaded in God, if you like, as eagles, or we can be grounded and behave like chickens because we haven't got the whole story. (laughs) (laughs) Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, yeah. Like I said, I think most people tend to behave like chickens. Yes, we don't know who we are. Yeah, so what I'm hoping to do is identify some sacred cows, which is going to explode a few, help elevate more of us to become eagles. Because if there are a few eagles and mostly chickens, we're not all on the same page. So this is my attempt to begin that process. All right. So this guy here, um, he was an eagle surrounded by chickens. Do you recognize him? Uh, Roger Bannister, right? Yeah, yeah. May the 6th in Oxford with a small crowd on a wet, rainy day. This 25-year-old Oxford student who didn't have a trainer (laughs) was the first man in history to beat the four-minute mile. It had never been done before. And everyone, since 1886, this was a thing, right? Um, It was considered impossible. It was considered humanly impossible. Um, but he did it. Yeah, and so, and again, what you, like you said, it was rainy. You know, they always said if it could ever be done, it would have to be under perfect conditions. And yet, yeah. Roger Bannister did it on a day that no, the conditions were not perfect at all. Yeah, so he wasn't a chicken, right? <laughs> I like that. <laughs> but what what was it that set him apart? Well, the Harvard Review wrote this article. Was there a sudden growth spurt in human evolution? Was the genetic engineering experiment that created a new race of super runners? No. What changed was the mental model. The runners of the past had been held back by a mindset that said they could not surpass the four-minute mile. When that limit was broken, the others saw that they could do something they had previously thought impossible. You know, I just wanted to jump in because I've, I've used this basis as an understanding that, you know, there are going to be those who are going to break through the barrier of stepping into the fullness of who they are, where they will have full power and authority like Yeshua did. And the thing is, once you see one, I believe we're going to see just, they're going to start popping up all over the world. That's my personal belief. Exactly. Exactly. And some of us are pioneers and we're going to stick our necks out and we're going to be criticized potentially as Roger Bannister was until he delivered the goods that was uh, beyond refute. But what's really interesting here is that within 46 days, somebody else beat him. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And within less than one year, in one single race, three people beat him. That's the incredible part. Yeah. So, I mean, and Yeshua said that there'd be people who would do greater works than he did. So we're going to see it. I believe it. Yeah. So, so my thought here is what's the common thread between, you know, these three stories, the chicken and the, and the eagle, the ugly duckling and uh, Roger Bannister's amazing story. Um, And is this, 
thing I believe called collective consciousness, that whether we realize or not, we are part of a, a collective consciousness community. Yeah. Um, and that can work for good, it can work for bad, right? So for instance, when you've got a mob, there's this mob rule, they all start acting the same as we see in Ephesus with um, the Apostle Paul in the stadium. Um, but we also saw that, you know, with the with the protests and the marches going on. Right. Um, but what is the collective consciousness as us as spirit filled believers in the kingdom age? You know, what is that collective consciousness? And can we up up level it or level it up? There yeah. you go. Yeah. Level it up. All right. So to do this. I'm going to take on three sacred cows. I know we've got a part one and a part two. Um, I don't mind how we do it. We'll just go with this flow. Um, well, I got a feeling this is going to go really fast because it's going to be good content that uh, people are going to love it. So what is a sacred cow? Well, I've, I've gone for the English and the American definition here. And it's actually the same. If you look at Webster's and the Oxford English, so I'm not going to suggest who copied who, but the Oxford <laughs> one is probably older, right? So, but this is the definition. Um, a sacred cow or sacred cows are ideas unreasonably held to be immune from questioning or criticism. It's like the scientists are always right, you know? Government's yeah. always right. <laughs> and uh, this theology is all, you know, we can't question that. That's just something we don't go to. Every sacred cow should be shot. <laughs> well, I got a picture up there for uh, one sacred cow that they put together when Moses was coming off the mountain. So, you know, there's some history here. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So, so what are the sacred cows going to look at? And, uh, okay, you know, you may or may not have me on again, but I'm coming out of the closet today. <laughs> Go for <laughs> it. So, Roger Bannister slayed a sacred cow. We've already kind of covered that. What if we as believers started a journey to expose and slay all the sacred cows? Do you think that we might all become eagles and have a collective consciousness that was able to um, participate in what God is doing on earth. <clears throat> so, here's my first sacred cow, which is to question salvation. All right? What do we mean by salvation? And I've just gone straight to scripture. We're not going to look at all the scriptures, but I'm going to pull out the highlighted ones in red. Because I grew up um, to believe as I came into church, that there's the lost and the saved. And it became part of our collective consciousness. Oh, when were you saved? You know? Right. <laughs> or when I was lost. Yeah. Right? I once was lost, but now I'm found. Okay? <laughs> yes. But let's look at some scriptures here. Right back in Genesis, all peoples on earth will be blessed through Abraham. All peoples, all nations on earth will be blessed through Abraham's offering. I'm going to read that whole verse, 12.3. It says, I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And as we know, the seed came, and then Jesus came, and then he was the blessing that we will participate in. 
Um, now, I'm going to throw a spanner in the works here, and I'm hopefully not going to upset anyone. But this verse has been taken to be used as a defense for um, a lot of dispensationalist believers who are defending the support of the nation state of Israel. Because we often get this proof text <coughs> that says, oh, no, you've got to bless Israel and you'll be blessed. Now, that is a, another topic. I'm not going to go there now, but it all goes <laughs> to something called the Schofield Bible uh, that was produced in 1909 and, um, and, and revised again through some years. And it creates something called dispensationalism. That is a sacred cow we're not going to go to. All right? You'll be pleased. I can see the relief on your face right now. <laughs> but let's go through some more of these verses here. Um, I'm just going to read out the red ones. Look at this. In Isaiah, God will prepare a feast for all people. He will destroy the shroud that enfolds all people, the sheet that covers up all nations. He will eliminate death, wipe away the tears from all faces, and remove the disgrace of his people from all the earth. I love that one because it speaks about mindset. It's yeah. like, if we know who we are, <laughs> it comes into his identity. And, and his it, again, it all, also says all people, all peoples, all faces, all yeah. nations. Hmm, I wonder if that means all. Yeah, I wonder too. <laughs> now, this is very powerful. In the New Testament, we know that the New Testament writers echo know that every knee shall bow. But I didn't realize that God has sworn an oath. Right? Look at the text. God has sworn an oath that every knee will bow and every tongue will swear by him. Yeah. You know, and we've had a, I mean, not you and I, but I've definitely had discussions over this that, uh, you know, unless that means that God's going to force everybody. So, I mean, free will has been a massive thing that he would allow us to make choices and even choose not to choose him, you know, in, in, at times. So this would mean that at some point God would have to say, all right, I'm done with you guys. I'm forcing you. I'm kicking you down to your knees. You're going down. Or somehow, some way, he begins to take the time and he wins everybody over with his unfailing love. And now I may be stealing your thunder. As you... Oh, well, I, I got a sacred cow that addresses that. You're ahead okay. of me, and I love that because it means we're engaged. But, yeah, he, he cooks them in his love. All right. Well, hey, before you jump into the next section, I know this is going to be crazy, but uh, we got to take a little break, and uh, yeah. we'll be right back after this. <laughs> hey there. Thank you for joining Kingdom Talks. We are taking a short break to share with you the life-changing online course called Ultimate Impact. Gil and Adina do an amazing job taking the complicated and making it simple and applicable for your life. Ecclesia groups are using this course to shift their thinking into the next age paradigm. Yeshua spoke of power, authority, love, and oneness that we have yet to walk in. So if you're ready to deconstruct limiting beliefs in order to step into what Father is doing now, this course is for you. Sign up today at KingdomTalksMedia.com under the Courses tab. Now, back to the show. 
All right, so we're back with Jonathan Cavan, and we're going over the sacred cows and uh, some of these verses that uh, seem to bring a lot of revelation to this. So, Jonathan, go ahead. Keep going. All right, we're going to just go through some of these verses. I have a lot of them. I'm just going to pick out a few highlights. Um, here we go in Luke. John the Baptist quotes Isaiah's words that all mankind will see God's salvation. And in John, we read, Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. God sent Jesus to save the world. And I think in the Greek, that's even cosmos, right? It's like yeah. extended. It's like pretty all-inclusive, I think. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, the act of obedience of one man, Jesus, will bring life for all men. And this is preceded, as you know, by the sin of one man, Adam. Mm -hmm. um, creation itself. Now, what is creation? Is that the trees? Is that the animals? Is that the humans? Is that everything? Is it all that God created? Is it the universe? Yeah. Um, creation itself be liberated and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. Um, I mean, this is Ephesians. Um, God will bring all things under heaven and on earth under Christ. I've underlined this one because I we, we can. I want you to remember it. We're going to pop back or make reference to it. Christ ascended higher than all the heavens to fill the whole universe so christ is in everything he's throughout the whole yeah. universe um and when he created it the whole universe is in him then he came down to earth and he dwelt with us then he ascended back and adopted that position of being in all the whole universe and here again we've got uh philippians every knee shall bow confess that jesus is lord god was pleased to reconcile to himself all things on earth and in heaven through the blood of Christ. And there's another verse that says, and under the earth as well. So it's pretty um, complete. Right. And then the verse in Timothy, God is the savior of all men, especially those who believe. Um, Every creature in heaven and earth and under the earth and the sea will praise him. He sits on the throne of the lamb. The nations will walk by its light. This is talking about the new Jerusalem and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Love that. So this is New Jerusalem. The gates are never going to be shut, ever. And the nations are going to come in. And we, you know, in, in, in Bible teaching, we often think of God's people, then the nations as being other. But here yeah. they're all in. We're all in together. Um, okay, so to complete this sacred cow, then uh, let's have a quick look at Timothy. Uh, and he says, He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. Right? Nothing that we have done. Now, that doesn't that suggest that we cannot earn salvation? There's nothing that we can do. But and get yet we this. live like we are doing something all the time. <laughs> yeah, but get this. This grace was given us in Christ before the beginning of time. From the yeah. foundation of this earth, no, Christ was crucified. Um, so this little picture here, I just want to, uh, going back to that verse on Ephesians, the outer circle is Christ. The next circle in the pink one is the universe is in Christ. And then the yellow is the earth, which is in the universe, which is in Christ. And then we've got 
you and me trying to do our best, but we've still got black bits in us because no, we're trying hard. Right? A little bit of darkness along, in there. Along with the rest of the planet. And we've also got a few of the angels who got confused. Um, and they got confused about their identity too. Yeah, yeah. We're noticed there's no separation. Okay. We're all in, in Christ. Him. Yeah. Yeah. So, I love it. So, so, so if we're all in Christ and there's no separation, we're all forgiven. It's just that some of us haven't realized it yet. I'm yeah. 100% with you. <laughs> so what about the Bible text that speak of separation? All right. So this mm -hmm. leads me on to the next sacred cow. So I think the most damning text that talks about separation, in fact, eternal separation, is the lake of fire. Um, so I think I'm going to start off here. Ooh, I'm just going to. Excuse me. I've lost my screen. So we have about five minutes, five, six minutes. Okay, well, hey, why don't we just kind of, um, let's just chat about what we've spoken about so far, and then we can regroup. Okay, uh, I like that. Um, so I'm going to go back to this shot. And so what you're sharing is, I, I can tell you, it's so absolutely, I'll just say, Adina and I teach this in, in The Ultimate Impact. Um, and, you know, we, we lead people up to it gradually because a lot of it, you know, a lot of people listening right now, I know that they're going to be a little tweaked. Some of them, you know, if, it, if they're brand new to all this, they're going to be a little tweaked. And it's because, you know, we unfortunately get our identity wrapped up with what we believe in a doctrine or a denomination. And somebody starts to pull and tug on some of our foundational beliefs. And all of a sudden, you know, we freak out the triggers. And that's a good tr that's a good thing to let you know that, okay, your identity's in that instead of in him. And so I, I love what you're doing here because you're sharing, you know, very succinct scriptural evidence for, uh, you know, this whole idea that we were never separated. I love it. Well, I've started with a sacred cow that I think we're on the same page with. So uh, it might get a bit hotter later. All right. Um, maybe, maybe not. But I think, um, you know, this, this, this concept of separation and you introduced me to a guy called Bruce Wauchope, W-A-U-C-H-O-P-E, and I've really enjoyed and resonated with his teaching. So what I'm about to say is something that he has said, and that is that, no, God's story is a love story. We're all in him, you know, the dark bits and all, and it's just an ongoing love story. Yeah. Um, but what many of us have been taught is this Neoplatonism of separation, meaning that, no, we're here and God's here, and we've got to jump through some hoops. Right. And, by the way, <laughs> and by the way, the church is in the middle. Yeah. So we've actually got to go through the church to get to God. And it's more like a wall than it is a bridge, unfortunately, in many cases. Yeah. And, and I think a good way to look at it is, is you know, what is the body of Christ? Well, if, if Christ encompasses the universe and the world and everything in it and all of creation, the lost and the saved, you know, all, mm -hmm. that is the body of Christ. Yes. So that term body of Christ has been lifted and shifted to an institution, a right. man-made institution that we have to become members of. In fact, we have a choice of about 30,000 who all believe slightly different things because they're all on slightly different pages of the right. book. <laughs> 
no um but yeah so 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 what i'm what you and i are are bringing or coming into the realization of is that the there is no separation between us and god there never has been um you mentioned you know live buses we take people on a journey of freedom that takes them from slavery to sonship, which is about relationship to kingship, which is about responsibility and to, into oneness. Now, I want to be clear that that journey is not getting closer to God because we're all in him anyway. Nothing exactly. has changed. We are sons. We are kings. The thing that has to change is the the ugly duckling to right. the swan, you know, the, the chicken to the eagle. Um, it's all in the mindset. And so that's why I've always referred to what, you know, the world that we're living in is a matrix of lies. You know, our job is to break out of the lies so that we can step into the fullness of the truth. And it's all up here. It's our choices and it's what we believe. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I like what you said earlier when you were talking about, um, you know, the, the mindsets, you know, with Roger Bannister that, um, uh, how many other people could have broken the four-minute mile before Roger Bannister had they been raised in an environment where they were taught that they're limitless versus, no, we got this human limitations, you can't do this, you can't do that. I've, you know, being somewhat funny, but actually a heart desire, not a strong one, okay? But, you know, I've told Adina, my wife, that, you know, I'd love to have another child just in the sense of being able to raise them in an environment that we would do our best not to create the limitations that we did with our other children. Um, and then how many generations might it take? Uh, could it be one? But how many generations would it take before we finally raise a generation? It might just be a pocket over here or over here that doesn't have the limitations or most of them have been removed. And they're able to just step into the fullness of who they are rather than being told, oh, you're a sinner. You, you know, you need grace. Yeah, yeah, we do need God's grace and we are sinners, but we've never been separated. Yeah, exactly. And to close out this part one, I think is a good place to close is is it's just a recognition and a realization that the collective consciousness amongst believers has to have and carry power. Yes. If you Google collective consciousness and quantum field, you will see that where people agree, stuff happens, it manifests. Yes. And we are not a people who agree. So that needs to shift. Because and when the earth is covered in the glory of God, that is destination. Starting point, let's say, is today. We have a long way to go. And it's not just going to happen by people making declarations from heaven. It's going to happen by generations of young people growing up to believe that the kingdom of heaven is here and they are fully loaded. And, yeah. and that becomes pervasive. It might take 10, 20, 50, 100 years, but we need to start it now by bursting the bubble on some of these sacred cows. 150% with you. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, hey, I'm going to say to everybody, make sure you watch part two because we're going to continue this on the sacred cows and some deconstruction of some things that uh, we've been taught that may not necessarily be in the Bible. And uh, Jonathan's doing a good job of revealing that. So uh, look for part two and uh, we will see you next time. Thank you, Jonathan, so much. And see you next time. Thank you for taking time out to listen to Kingdom Talks. You can find out more about Kingdom Talks Media and our mission to unite in faith 
and grow as mature sons at KingdomTalksMedia.com. Please continue to like, subscribe, and share with your friends. You can find us on Facebook, YouTube, Spreaker, Spotify, iTunes, Fringe Radio Network, and many more places. Go to our website to find links to all of our media outlets, as well as fantastic online courses and conferences, including the life-changing interactive course, Ultimate Impact. And last but not least, we ask that you consider partnering with us to fulfill the mission to get these messages to the world. To become a partner, go to the Partnership tab on our website. Thank you, and until next time, live a blessed life and keep carrying us in your heart and sharing us wherever hearts are open. We're just going deeper than we did before. And uh, again, just want to thank you, Jonathan, for being on the show. Um, he and his wife lead Liebusters. Definitely want to check that out at liebusters.global, right? All right. And then uh, we'll have some links available for you as well to check out so you can get connected there. So, all right, Jonathan, take it away, man. Let's do this again. Let's go deeper. All right. Okay. Well, thank you, Gil. And it's great to be here for part two. And I just want to preface it by saying that God's taken me on a theological deconstruction journey for the last five or 10 years, where I dared to challenge some of the things which I call sacred cows. You don't touch that. The whole issue of salvation, you know, it's a done deal. You get the saved and the lost, and you've got to transition from the lost to the saved and all this separation. Um, and I unpacked that in the last session. We looked at the fact that actually we're all in Christ. We're all in Christ. There is no separation. So um, good. So I'm going to move on from that point. If I can, Gil, I'm going to share my screen. All right. And um, have a look at. Here we go. Let me just uh, get my presentation going. <clears throat> yeah, and again, if you haven't seen part one, make sure you go back and look at that because it really uh, helps build to where we're going here. Well, it does. In fact, it's the same presentation split. So the first, this one won't make sense unless you've seen the first one. Um, so if we are all in Christ and there is no separation, there hasn't been any separation from the foundation of this world, then those who we have considered lost are not lost. They simply haven't come to the realization of their identity yet. Very good. Um, we're all forgiven, but some of us just haven't realized it yet. So now we have to look at what about the Bible texts that do speak of separation? All right. We have to take those head on. So I'm going to unveil my next sacred cow. Um, and people say, well, what about, you know, what about the separation for eternity? What about the lake of fire? What happens with this text? Revelation 2010. Now, they, the bad guys, the devil and his angels and the bad guys, were cast into the lake of fire and brimstone and shall be tormented forever and ever. Now, that doesn't sound like a place where God is, does it? It sounds like a kind of a separation place. Um, so, so what are we going to do with this? Well, let's actually take a look at the original language because it really helps us or let's say the greek language whether the new testament was first written in in hebrew or aramaic and then translated into greek 
Um, I think parts of it were, but not necessarily because Greek was the common language. That's a debate that's kind of out there. Yeah. Um, but let's look at the text and some of the Greek words there. Cast into the lake of fire. See that highlighted? And that word comes from pur or P-U-R, the Greek there, that thing that looks like a P is an R, P-U-R. Pur as in pure, from the Sanskrit pu or to purify. And if you want to know where I got this from, it's from Strong's Concordance from the Blue Letters Bible. Now, anyone can go there. It's absolutely free. Yeah, it's good. <clears throat> so... So they were cast into this purification fire and brimstone or sulfur. Now, sulfur, you might know, was used by the ancients to add to the gold purification process. It's a purification agent that extracts the impurities. But the Greek word is theon. Isn't that close to theos, or God? And it means divine <clears throat> incense. Because yeah. burning brimstone was regarded as having the power to purify. Now, I, these are not my words. I have copied and pasted this directly from Strong's Concordance. Yeah. And can I, I just want to say something here, too, because, you know, as, as we're looking at these uh, scriptures and, and the different translations, what you're showing is that these Greek words could be translated differently than what they've been translated in our most of our English Bibles. And so one of the things that I just want to say is, and I know this may tweak some people, but translators are human. They may be under divine inspiration, but they're still human. And it is near impossible for anybody to translate anything without a little bit of their own bias going into it. They have to choose which way they're going to uh, translate these specific words. And because they were under a very strong paradigm of this eternal hell and torment, they're going to use the words, they're going to use the translation uh, words that more uh, fit what they have in their heart and mind. So it's just something we have to really come to, to, to bear with that that's part of what's happened in the translations. And so you're showing the difference in what it could be and which honestly really a whole lot more aligns with the heart of God as you're going through this. So. Yeah. Good stuff. Well, actually, you know, let's look at that. We have the word hell, right? Um, the hell was a Norse goddess. She was a goddess of the underworld, and 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 it was a place where people were tormented forever and ever. So this concept of being tormented forever and ever did not exist in the Christian mind until AD 500. It was Augustine who brought it in. It just didn't yeah. exist. <laughs> that's a hard one for people to swallow, but you can look it up and look at the yeah, historical yeah. lines and teachings. Yeah. And the part one that we've just come out of, which is that all people are in Christ and all people will be saved. Um, that was the belief for the first 500 years of the Christian age. The, yeah. the lead church fathers, they all believed that up until the time of Augustine, which was the 5th century AD. So what we're really doing is going back to how they first believed. Yeah, so okay. people talk about wanting to be more like the church of the first century. Well, this yeah. is taking you there. Let's good. be traditional. <laughs> All right, God's <laughs> traditions. Okay, so let's have a look at the next word. And this is basanotsu. Uh, so basanitsu. Basanitsu. Basanitsu, yeah. And this is the word for tormented. But it also means to test, to mm -hmm. test. And it's, um, it also is the same word for touchstone. Now, what is a touchstone? 
Well, very briefly, a touchstone is a black stone that the ancients used to test the purity of metal. So, Gil, if I'm a if I'm a gold merchant and you come to me and you're selling me some gold, I would take a piece of your gold, scratch it on my black stone, and see a little <laughs> yellow trace, and that would show um, a yellow line. And I would know because I have my own pure gold, and I do my line next to it. If the lines match in color, they are both a hundred percent pure. If yours is different, then it's not pure. So, a touchstone was used to test the purity of precious metals such as gold. Love it. And then the last one, the ever and ever, well, this is actually an eon, on eon of eons. And this, an eon is an age. Now an age has a start and a finish. Excuse me. Now, um, a, a start and a finish is a fixed time. It is not forever and ever. But this translation has come from the Vulgate, which is the Latin translation, and they don't have a word for eon, or for an age, they only have eternos. And Augustine translated this word eternos, meaning eternity. So that kind of messes up this verse quite a lot. So let's have a look at what it could mean if we apply these, this understanding. It could legitimately be translated that they were cast into a, the refining, fiery presence of God's love and shall be tested for purity day and night for a period of time until pure. And that's honestly what I believe it was meant to say. I mean, I, I yeah, again, and it's just, just me, but I am 100% aligned with that. And it would be um, hard for me to think of it differently just because I, I know the Father so much better than I ever did, and I know that He is love. And that any idea of separation, torment, and that he would take any joy in that is, in my mind, absolutely ridiculous. So, I, you know, what you're sharing is what I believe how the scriptures should have, you well, know, I think, I think, Gil, the key, for me, the key for me is the character of God. He's all loving, all powerful, all merciful. Yeah. But, and, but what <clears throat> this makes him out to be is a loser. Why? Because he incinerates a big chunk of his creation. Yeah, couldn't save him. Got to get rid of him. <laughs> yeah, he, you know, he's incinerating his kids. Now you wouldn't do that as a dad. I wouldn't do that yeah. as a dad. So really, our, our heavenly dad, he wouldn't do that. It, right, it's just not in the heart right. of the father. All right, but this is interesting. Now let's have a little look. Have you ever considered um, the sea of glass? and the lake of fire in a similar context. I just want to kind of unpack this a little bit. So let's go back to Genesis, and we're looking at the promise to Abraham, which we touched on in part one. I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the sand on the seashore. Okay, and he <laughs> was going to bless many nations. All right, um, the nations will be purified and then to the New Jerusalem. We read that in the Revelation scripture, didn't we? Yeah. Um, that the New Jerusalem, the gates are going to be open. They're never going to be closed. The nations are going to come in. So what happens then to the nations from the promise to Abraham and the nations are represented, the descendants, as, as grains of sand? What happened to them? Well, this is a thought that only came to me today. And... What happens, Gil, when you heat up sand? 
when you refine it. You can make glass out of it. You make glass out of it. Yeah. So could it be that the sea of glass, which is before the throne of God, is the result of the purification of all of the nations? That is so good. So good, Jonathan. (laughs) Okay. And then look at Revelation 15 too. I Mm -hmm. saw what looked like a sea of glass glowing with fire. Now, if you swap the word sea for lake, I saw what looked like a lake of glass glowing with fire. So good. So good. So could it be that all of God's creation are in him and the ones that need a little bit of cleanup can either do it in this life, and boy, we go through hell, don't we, to get close to God. We literally have to purify yeah. ourselves with his yeah. help. Or um, could it be that it's something that could happen after we die, which is a crazy thought. But get this. It says in the Bible that Jesus descended into hell. He descended into Sheol, and he preached to those who died in the flood. Now, who were those who died in the flood? They were the most evil people who ever lived. Now, what was he saying to them? If they were going to be there forever and ever and tormented forever and ever, it, it's just a bad joke, isn't it? It's like he's saying, nah, 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 you're stuck there. Or could he say, guys, I'm giving you a dose of my love. Wake up and know that you are loved. That's so good. So good. Uh, Jonathan, well, let me first just say, if you're watching this right now, you really need to get, if you're resonating with this anyway, this is a good stuff. Get part one and part two out to your friends, share it with them because uh, this is going to set a lot of people free if they haven't heard this message before. If you have heard it, I think it's just absolutely confirming for, uh, you know, where your heart is at. Um, So Jonathan, we're going to take a break and we'll be right back after this. Hey there. Thank you for joining Kingdom Talks. We are taking a short break to share with you the life-changing online course called Ultimate Impact. Gil and Adina do an amazing job taking the complicated and making it simple and applicable for your life. Ecclesia groups are using this course to shift their thinking into the next age paradigm. Yeshua spoke of power, authority, love, and oneness that we have yet to walk in. So if you're ready to deconstruct limiting beliefs in order to step into what Father is doing now, this course is for you. Sign up today at KingdomTalksMedia.com under the Courses tab. Now, back to the show. All right, so we are back. And just wanted to say real quick, that little commercial break on the ultimate impact. You know, Adina and I, we go through, I think, about three or four weeks of, you know, kind of deconstructing some of this stuff that Jonathan's talking about and uh, helping you understand a lot of this. But I've also talked to Jonathan about uh, putting a piece of what he's sharing here into our Ultimate Impact program. But it's a great place to go to get a good, solid foundation where we try to fill in as many gaps as we can and you, you walk away with a great understanding of what Father his heart is really like and, and what he's what he's really doing. I think this brings a much clearer picture to what he is really doing in the earth and in the heavens and for eternity. So good stuff, Jonathan. Appreciate what you're doing here. So carry on. <laughs> okay. Well, hey, thank you, Gil. And as I said, I've, I've, God has kind of helped me deconstruct my theology and I'm beginning to build it back up. And as I began to become aware of this stuff and, and really 
tested it and tested it and tested it. And I'm a quite a conservative person. It takes me a long time before I go public. Um, <laughs> I decided to sign up for a six-month University of Oxford course in theology to take this to them and check it out. And you know what happened? I realized just that how close they are. They've got a veil over them, you know? Mm. So, mm. guys, you're not going to get this in your churches necessarily. You're not going to get this from the academics. No, it's a grass up, Holy Spirit led revelation, which I think is the way that probably should be. That's hey, good. let's push on because um, I know I've had a couple of sacred cows so far that you would resonate <laughs> with. I've got a whole lot more, and I would love to put together a, a series of teachings that no, um, we could share. But I'm just warming you up with three. So we're going to move on to the third one in a moment. But just before I do so, here's the scripture that I alluded to about the new Jerusalem. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut, ever. For there will be no night there. The glory and honor of the nations will will be brought into it nothing impure get this nothing impure will ever enter it nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful so we read in the bible that the nations are the people who are not of god but today we've seen that god will bring all nations you know into every nation yeah. every person will bow they will bow the knee so and if the nations come in and they are pure they will have had to go through a purification process absolutely love it all right <laughs> so so when so when will there be a new jerusalem okay well logic suggests it will be well after the old one and what happened to the old one it got destroyed okay so the new jerusalem happened after the old one got destroyed so let's have a little look at my next sacred cow which will give us a clue as to when the new jerusalem arrived and my final sacred cow is the last days. All right. Um, and this isn't going to be very long, so we can kind of unpack and have a chat afterwards. But let's have a little look at this. Uh, Jonathan, I just really appreciate this. You know, there are some people that will open up a can of worms, but I think you're opening up a bucket of worms, which is awesome because it'll really cause some people to start thinking. <laughs> All right. Well, hey. Gil, I want to say right here, right now, that I'm not saying I'm right. All right. This is my journey that I'm exploring. And God gave me a verse. It's Titus. Let me just grab it. Okay. Well, and I just want to make sure you understand. I'm thinking this is absolutely great. I mean, this is, this is stuff that people need to hear, need to see, and begin to think about. Again, doesn't mean you have to agree with it. But I think yeah. what you're doing, Jonathan, is opening up some um, some strongholds, you know, exposing, I should yeah. say, some strongholds, uh, sacred cows that we all need to be looking at. And I'm, I'm in 100 percent agreement with everything you've said so far. And I think I'm uh, going to be in 100 percent agreement all the way through. So God gave me God gave me um, God gave me this verse as a, as a bit of encouragement in Titus, also some wisdom. It's, it's, the, it's in Titus reading from chapter one, verse five, the reason I stationed you, uh, hang on. Let me find it. 
Well, okay, here we go. I Above just... all, set yourself apart, a model of life nobly lived. Well, with dignity, demonstrate integrity in all that you teach. Okay, in all that you teach, bring a clear and wholesome message that cannot be condemned, and that your critics will be embarrassed with nothing bad to say about us. Now, what I, I read that because what I'm trying to do is bring scripture, yeah, not opinions. Yeah, no, it's good. I'm like I said, totally on board with you. All right, so it. let's click on then. Um, so last days now. Matthew 24 is a really interesting chapter. Tell us, when shall these be? And what is the sign of thy presence? Some people, that that word is perusia, which means coming. The phrase second coming never appears at all in the Bible. But the word coming comes from the word perusia, which also means his presence. So that's just another um, point to think on. <laughs> So what is the sign of your, your presence and, the, and of the full end of the age? So let's just through, through the scriptures. Truly I tell you, and, and, then, and then Jesus goes on to talk about tribulation and persecution um, and all these other signs of the, what is often attributed end times. Yeah. Truly I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached into the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Truly I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. So in Matthew 24, no one can deny that it is about the destruction of Jerusalem and the destruction of the temple that Jesus was prophesying, which happened in AD 70. That is beyond debate. But then some of the text is taken and projected 2,000 years plus forward as meaning end times, you know? end times well what will happen in the end times yet future but i do not believe that you can with a good conscience with the text come to that conclusion because jesus says in matthew luke and john truly i tell you some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the son of man coming in his kingdom Truly, I say unto you, this generation will not pass until these things have been fulfilled. Now, Jesus was, what, A.D. 30, A.D. 33, and then A.D. 70 was the destruction of Jerusalem. Um, and that was also a time of judgment. And it was also um, a time of tribulation. There was what they called the Jewish war from AD 64 to AD 70. Um, and in the destruction of Jerusalem, over a million people died. It was absolutely horrendous. They were burned and or cannibalized. Um, and in the temple itself, 7,000 people were burned. Now, what's interesting is that the temple, um, the building, temple building was was like representative of the sky, um, 
the sea and the earth. In fact, the decorations inside of it was that. So when we read about the elements burning with fervent heat or the you know, melting of the heaven and the earth, which sounds like the earth being destroyed, it's actually using the language that was used in Jewish Norman culture to describe the temple. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think what I've, I'm kind of coming into land because we only spoke about doing this a few days ago. Right, um, right. And we only have four or five minutes left at this point, but we, we do yeah. have the behind the scenes, but not everybody's going to see that except for those who are well, I don't have any more slides, so I'm not sure if you have any comments or any any questions. But uh, actually, I think I might have one. Oh, okay. No. I'm sorry. I, I flipped it over, but go ahead if you want to um, bring it back up. If you want yeah, to I have it. a I have a I have a conclusion. Okay. I have a conclusion one. So let me just put up the conclusion one. If go I ahead. Because um, it kind of ties it together, part one and part two. Sounds good. All right. Can you see that now? Yeah. It's uh, There we go. There we go. Okay. But, so I just asked what if. And guys, some of you are right on board with this, and I think Gil is. Some of you may have been hearing this for the first time. And I understand how this could be shaking you or causing your chest to tighten if it is new <laughs> and different. But let's just say what if, all right? What if, and I'm using scripture here, God is the savior of all men, especially those who believe. This was sacred cow number one, salvation. That we are all in Christ. Some of us just don't know it yet. Then yep. what if? For he will be like a refiner's fire or a launderer's soap. This is Malachi 3, 2 and 3. He will sit as a refiner and purifier. Okay, so this is sacred cow number two, lake of fire. God's presence that opens all eyes to truth. Yeah. And I'll just say real quickly that, you know, the scripture does not say anywhere that God takes away our freedom of choice after we die. So I believe that this process for most people takes place after we die. And then he takes us into that lake of fire, which is a purification process, which gets all the lies off of us so that we can actually step into the fullness of who we really are. Yeah. Now, there are a couple of other sacred cows that need to be demolished in theological terms to allow this to stand. One is the dating of the book of Revelation. You see, most most people say it is after AD 70, but that's based on one piece of writing in AD 120 by one person. Um, but there's a lot of internal evidence to suggest it was written before the destruction of Jerusalem, and it is written, and all the Old Test, all the New Testament books were written. And I encourage people to read the New Testament and the Book of Revelation um, as if you were there. So what is happening? Jesus has been warning that the old way. The old way is going to come to an end. The age has come to the end. The Jewish age of the temple is coming to an end. This is going to be history. Now, he sent, he had lots of parables. Parables. He sent his prophets. They killed them. God sent his son. He killed them. You know, there's a parable of the guy who owned the, the vineyard. He, he sent his servants to the people who were looking after it. 
they killed him. Then he sent his son, they killed him. So there are many, many Jesus parables that talk about the coming of the end of the age. So the whole of Jesus' ministry and all of the preaching is a transition period saying, look, the Jewish temple age is finishing and the kingdom of heaven, the, the new, the kingdom age is beginning. Yeah. And, 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 and that's what it brought about. So that said, I believe, I, I'm of the opinion that there are no um, unfulfilled prophecies in the New Testament. I'm, I believe that all the prophecies in the New Testament are just prophecies from the Old Testament represented, um, talking about judgment on Israel, judgment on Jerusalem, the end of that age, the beginning of the Messianic age. Um, the only prophecy in the whole Bible that I do not believe is yet fulfilled is the kingdom of God covering the whole earth, and which we can see here in Daniel 2, um, if you remember the statue, mm -hmm. uh, the dream of Nebuchadnezzar. But the rock that struck the statue became a huge mountain, so the rock was the coming of Christ, you know, first time around, and filled the whole earth. That's the kingdom yeah. of heaven. That got that, uh, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never, ever be destroyed. So Love this. You know, the last days, according to the Bible, I believe, and I'm open to be proven wrong or have a discussion or have my eyes open to things I haven't seen yet. The last days was the, was the transition between the Jewish age of the temple and the Jesus age of the kingdom where heaven and earth are, are once again co-joined. Yeah. Because, you see, in the Garden of Eden, uh, before the fall, heaven and earth were together and then separated up until the kingdom of heaven and co-joined, which is now we have access to the Father, we have access to heaven, etc. So good, so, so good. And, you know, yeah. and I, I would just say that I'm... Uh... I'm still exploring some of those areas on the on the final side, but I definitely am intrigued with the idea that uh, you know Jesus died on the cross. I think that sealed that age, that the Aries age, the age of the Jewish system, that was done with because Yeshua was about to come in fullness to his temples, each one of us. And that part of the destruction of the temple at Jerusalem was saying, hey, guys, I'm not there anymore. It's yeah. over. That's over. I am now living in each of you. And I'll raise up the temple in three days, which is what he did. Yep. He came up and we are all you know, part, of, part of his temple. So I, yeah. I agree. I, I would say that I think that, that, that there's a transition period between AD 1 and AD 70, which is Jesus' birth, his life. Yeah, his death, yeah. his resurrection, and then then the gospel going out, and then and and then the end of the of the temple. No, that that was it. So yeah. that was a transition period. Um, but what's really interesting here, and this is another little sacred cow teaser. Did you notice that um, the gospel will be preached throughout the nations, and then the end will come? Therefore, are we to deduce that the Great Commission is history? Because if the end will come was the destruction of the temple and it related to those 20 or 30 years after Christ, but before that destruction, that was the time of the Great Commission going out to all nations. And Paul was chosen 
and he spoke about running a race and he ends up in Rome with Nero and he said, I've finished my race, meaning I have done all that God has given me, meaning that potentially the Great Commission has been fulfilled because God would have needed a body of people who could transition from the old age to the new age. And that was the fervent evangelization at that time. Yeah. So therefore, where does it leave the church today if everyone is saved, if the Great Commission is history? It leaves us with one thing, and that is to partner with God to restore the earth. Yeah. To bring um, everyone into the realization of who they really are in him. Total agreement there. And do you have time for behind the scenes? Because, sure. okay, because, uh, yeah, there's a lot more to talk about. And we're going to have to be careful because I got several, several shows I'm recording today. And um, this is so interesting, though. Uh, all I can say is everybody who's listening, if you want to hear <laughs> where we're going to go next, uh, go to our website, kingdomtalksmedia.com. There we go. It's down there. Um, and look for this behind the scenes section with Jonathan. Uh, it's actually going to be under uh, the partnership tab. And uh, you can go there for $10 a month. We're just asking for a little support. We are listener supported that we can continue to get this out and to do it in bigger, better ways. Because uh, there's a lot of people that I know would be blessed by this information. So what I would say is if there's an appetite for more, I'm very, I'm, I'm, this is in me to bring, present more sacred cows. And, you know, uh, I'm not saying I've got it all right, but I do believe that they do need to be put on the table. All right. All right. So blessings to everybody. We will uh, see you next time. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for taking time out to listen to Kingdom Talks. You can find out more about Kingdom Talks Media and our mission to unite in faith and grow as mature sons at KingdomTalksMedia.com. Please continue to like, subscribe, and share with your friends. You can find us on Facebook, YouTube, Spreaker, Spotify, iTunes, Fringe Radio Network, and many more places. Go to our website to find links to all of our media outlets, as well as fantastic online courses and conferences, including the life-changing interactive course, Ultimate Impact. And last but not least, We ask that you consider partnering with us to fulfill the mission to get these messages to the world. To become a partner, go to the Partnership tab on our website. Thank you, and until next time, live a blessed life and keep carrying us in your heart and sharing us wherever hearts are open.